Hi all, my name is Naila Omar and welcome back to the Woe Believer podcast where we are rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, Today, remember that everything I say is to offer salvation from Jesus, not to condemn you. Um, And today we're going to be talking about how do we recover from sin um, or basically the recovering believer. And that is today's episode, the recovering believer. So when we mess up, what do we do after that? But before we get started, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm just praying right now in the name of Jesus for this listener. Lord, I pray that you will be in this video, in this podcast, however they're receiving this information, that they will have open hearts and open minds um, to you, Lord Jesus. I'm praying all of this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm really excited to be talking about the recovering believer today because you all, it is not, not, not normal um, to recover from sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. So when we do fall short of the glory of God, what are we supposed to do in that moment? So I want to go over a story in Luke 22, and this comes from Luke 22, 42, about two people who did fall very short of the glory of God and what they did, um, after they had committed their sin. So let's get started. Luke twenty two forty seven says, And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and draw new, um, sorry, near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. So um, basically, Jesus and his disciples are in the garden at this point. And this is right before um, Jesus's crucifixion when he thus, it says in 48, is being betrayed by Judas, who leads um, the soldiers to Jesus, along with some people who uh, were in, well, synagogue leaders who wanted Jesus dead. So Jesus basically says, are you betraying me right now? Judas kisses him and the betrayal begins. The disciples are like, should we strike? Should we fight? You know, and Jesus is like, basically, no. So let's move on to Luke 22, 54 and 60. Having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among. So Peter, Jesus is being taken away. Jesus is kind of like following a little bit behind him, but just just enough to like keep his distance. And now he comes across some people that are having a fire at a courtyard um, and he sits among them. He's at the fire with them. And then a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this This man man was was also also with him. But he denied him, saying, woman, Woman, I do not not know him. him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed saying, surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, 
he was still speaking and the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So two individuals, both Judas and Peter, in some way, shape or form, denied and betrayed Jesus Christ to the point of his lowest point in his life. Like Judas betrays Jesus to literally his death. And then as Jesus is on his way to death to be crucified, Peter is denying that he ever knew him. So you have two people who have fallen so greatly short of God that recovery or how do you atone for this or what could you possibly do um, to equate to make up for literally betraying Jesus Christ on his way to crucifixion. So first, let's see what Peter does. And then, well, let's see what Judas does after he sins. And then we'll go into uh, what Peter does. And so Judas in Matthew 27, um, three and five Okay, and it says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the, down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Okay, so Judas feels guilty he feels ashamed he feels bad and the bible uses the term remorseful feeling great remorse like i didn't i didn't mean to do that yes i did it but like now i'm really regretting that i did what i did because what i did wasn't right um so judas acknowledges that he did something wrong and he is remorseful about it but what does he do instead of going to the father instead of going to christ instead of going to god he goes to the people who were the ones who requested the action in the first place and he tries to atone for his actions himself by giving the 30 pieces of silver back so he's like you know what it took 30 pieces of silver for me to commit this sin why don't i just give it back but that's not how forgiveness and redemption works through jesus christ because jesus christ died for us and redeemed us it's really him and his price that he paid that allows us to know uh, will allows us the ple- or the privilege of having uh, forgiveness from from god from christ but in this period and point judas doesn't do that he doesn't look towards god he doesn't look towards jesus he tries to fix the situation himself do we often try to do that like I'll say that if I do something wrong, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can do this to make it right. Like if I, I remember being a kid and stealing gum from the store and I had one of the pieces of gum and my mom was like, you, where'd you get gum from? And I was like, I got it from my friend, you know, lying. And, um, she was like, "Mm, no, you didn't. And I, I don't know what happened, but I ended up saying, yeah, like I took this. Um, and she said, okay, well, you got to go back to the store and give it back. And so I went to the store, gave it back, felt so bad. I was really ashamed. I was remorseful. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that I didn't in the first place. I already used it. I already took a piece of it. So that is, that's like, it's done. All that I could ask for now at that point is, Hey, like, can don't press charges against me. Like, can you let this go? Can you know, I, I try. And then that it's up to the individual to be like, you know what? Yeah, like, it's cool. Like, you know, it's not cool, but 
we forgive you. Like we're moving on. We're not doing anything. It's the same thing when we sin and we go to when we go to Christ. Like we do something and then we ask God, like, hey, um, I did this and the deed has already been done, but I'm sorry and I want to turn away and like not do it again. It says in First John one and nine that you know if you confess with your mouth that you've sinned, um, God is just enough to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So. It's there's no sin that's too great for God to forgive, but we have to come to him and confess and say, hey, like I've done this. Can I receive forgiveness from you? And that takes you to actually go to him instead of going to another individual. So although I was a little kid and I went and I went back to that store and I returned that piece of gum, it's really ultimately that sin has been also committed to against God. And I needed to be more upfront and confess that to him be like hey god can you forgive me for that i i'll do what you ask me to do if you want me to like return it back to the store but ultimately can i make amends with you when it comes to this situation that's how you're supposed to recover and that's what um we're going to get into for peter we don't want to fall into the trap of shame and guilt it says like in the bible like he felt like he felt the shame to the point where he hung himself there's no point of me even continuing to live anymore because what I've done has been so bad that God can't even forgive me. And that is a lie and a trap that's set up from the enemy. God is just enough to forgive us from all our sins and cleanse us of unrighteousness. It says it in his word. So knowing that no matter what you do, no matter how bad it is, no matter what the history is, it is something that you can recover from. After he denies him three times and Jesus literally, the Lord literally turns back and sees him. Imagine you committing a sin against Christ because we all fall short. And then Jesus literally looking back at you like, I knew you were going to do that. Like when you feel guilty, ashamed. I mean, I know I would be like, oh my gosh, like, why did I even do that? Like, he's so disappointed in me. He's so, like, I'm just, like, he's, like, he literally hates me. Like, that would, that's what would be running through my head. Um, so let's, let's go forward, not go forward, but like, let's go back to the Last Supper when Jesus is originally having this conversation about denial and about betrayal. And that's in Luke um, 22. In Luke 22, uh, 32, it says, um, actually, let's let's do 31. Um, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Simon indeed, indeed Satan has for you that he may sift you as wheat. So basically, Peter, the enemy is after you. Satan is after you. He wants to sift you as wheat. It means he wants to gather you up prematurely. Like he wants to deceive you. He wants to trick you. He wants to, he wants you on his side, basically. 32, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So I know Jesus is saying, I'm praying for you that your faith should not fail. And we know Jesus already knows what's going to happen. But he's saying this to Peter in preparation. I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, so Jesus knows that he will eventually return to him. Um, strengthen your brother. So when you do come back to me, just just know that you still have an assignment. 
and 33. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Like, I'm not going to lie. When Jesus asked me to do something, I'm like, yes, like I'm going to do it. Or when we're called to do something, whether that's in ministry or we're just called to love our neighbor or love God or pray more. Yes, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to fast. I'm going to do, I'm going to work in service. Like I'm about it. Yes. I'm going, I'm, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. Like I'm following him to the end of the earth. Yes, absolutely. And that's Peter's attitude here. He's like death prison. I, it don't matter. Like I'm with you, Jesus. I'm rocking with you. And it's easy to rock with people that you see or are next to you. But what happens when they're no longer around? What happens when we don't hear from Christ as loud as we used to? Are we still going to do what we're supposed to do? Are we still going to follow him to death? Are we still going to follow him to prison? What happens when we're in the midst of fear? And that's what happened to Peter. He was, Jesus was being crucified, literally going to his death. And so now there's this, well, oh my goodness, like, the son of God is going to be killed. Like they're going to literally kill Jesus. And then now you're associated with one of the most politically controversial people in all of Judea, who's literally being crucified. That's going to cause a lot of fear. So what happens to Peter when he's faced with fear, he shuts down. And Jesus is saying, I'm praying for you. And in that moment, when, when the enemy comes, I'll be praying for that you that you don't fail. Um, okay, 34. Then he said, Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. So Jesus is prophesying to Peter and saying, you are gonna deny me. Like, that's just a straight fact. Like, you are gonna deny me before the rooster crows tonight. Um, and he said to me, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack, sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. So Peter is, Peter is in this mindset where he's like, Jesus, I'm going to ride or die. But Jesus is like, dude, um, actually tonight, not so much, but I'm still going to pray that not even though you may have fallen short in that moment, that your faith in general, like your faith in me will not fail. Um, okay, so let's fast forward to after uh, Jesus's death. In John 21, the disciples are fishing on the boat and they're unable to catch any fish. Um, and so Jesus, you know, Jesus, he comes up on the shore. This is after he's risen. He comes up on the shore and he calls out and he says, um, did y'all catch anything basically? And knowing Jesus, like he knows, he knows they didn't. <laughs> um, they're like, no. Um, so he says, okay. Y'all been out here all day. Take the net and cast it on the other side of the boat. So they're like, all right, we're going to cast it on this on the other side. So they cast the net on the other side. They pull up the net and then like it's like all these fish like the net is almost snapping like they're having a hard time getting into the boat. And so now in verse 12, it says Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of his disciples at, dared to ask him. Who are you knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? 
more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. 17 says, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girdled yourself and walked where you wished. But you are old. You will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, satisfying, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he said, when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Okay, John, this is John writing this, um, who had also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter seeing him and said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? So let's just stop there. So Jesus, they come on the shore. They're eating breakfast. Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? Peter, of course, now has PTSD, like getting flashbacks. Ah, I denied him three times. He looked back at me, etc. This is like the same thing. And it's kind of like a. Lord, I do love you, but like, I know, you know what I did um, type thing. And every time Peter says, you know, you know, I love you. This and the third Jesus comes with an affirmation that he still has an assignment. So when they were at that supper and he says, I'm praying for your faith as Satan is coming to sift you as wheat. This is signifying that that assignment that I told you still stands from dinner still stands even now, even after you have betrayed me because you have come back to me because you have said that you love me because you have said that you're going to do what you're going to do now. So despite your betrayal or despite your denial with me, then the fact that you're saying that you love me now and that you're here right now, that you're following my voice, that you're coming back to me is showing that your faith has not wavered that you're still a believer in me so this is what i mean by the recovering believer it's not that peter went and denied jesus multiple times after that he came back to pete uh, he came back to jesus ready to do what it was that he wanted him to do with love saying i love you and jesus thus reassures peter saying you know allowing that restoration and that healing that you know, despite your circumstance or despite your mistake, that I still do love you back and that I still have an assignment for you. And that's the same thing for us, that although you may have sinned and although you may have fallen short, you have received that restoration in Christ because he died for us. This is literally like right after he he is raised. So almost in a literal sense and also a spiritual sense, when Jesus is being raised, that is a signifying and he goes back and he starts to restore those relationships. Um, and it's funny that Jesus is the initiator of this conversation. 
you know, Peter is kind of like a little bit silent and like, I could just see him now kind of like looking up the corner of his eye, like, uh, like, hey, like, do you still like me? Um, and Jesus being the person who's like, yes, like, I still want you. You're still my disciple. I still love you. You still have an assignment. I still have things for you to do. The fact that you have betrayed me doesn't take away from the fact that you have purpose in me. I have predestined your death to glorify me. You do have purpose with me. Um, so what do we need to do when we're recovering from sin? Are we going to choose to be a Judas and fall into the trap of sin, of shame and guilt that has been imposed on the enemy that says, it's not my problem. You go deal with it. Um, and try to atone for the sins ourselves or try to make up the sins ourselves. Are we going to be humble and go back and return to Jesus and say, Jesus, I love you. And I did a wrong thing. Um, and Jesus can I have my assignment still? Um, which one are we going to choose to be? I'm going to choose to be a Peter. I'm not a perfect person. I have sinned. I have fallen short, but I have always come back to Christ saying, hey, this is what I've done and I need help in this area. I'm dealing with this, but I don't want to continue to fall short. I want to continue to be on an assignment for you. And if God has given you an assignment or has called you to do something and you have sinned or you have fallen short, it does not disqualify the fact that he's called you to do what he's called you to do. So if he's called you to be a server um, for kids and, you know, you just messed around with shoddy from around the block, that doesn't disqualify that God has called you to still preach the gospel, to still share the gospel with a certain community. Um, of course, stop um, and get the recovery and the help that you need, whether that's through your church, whether that's through your Christian community, whether that's in your Christian home, whatever you need to do to get on the right track. Don't continue to do what you're doing. This is not my this is not an excuse for you to continue to fall short. But this is to let you know that when you do fall short, this is how to go about it. Come back to Christ and get the help that you need in the body of Christ. I I was struggling with something at one point and I went online and I was like, hey, like, is this like, you know, I need help in this or like I need to find some sort of like group or whatever. And they were like, you know, the world will tell you that it's OK. Oh, yeah. Like, it's OK to smoke a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like, it's OK to have like a couple drinks, you know, as long as your BAC is whatever level or whatever. Oh, yeah, like sometimes like pornography is actually like good for your mental health a little bit. You know, you everybody needs to let Lou on some stress. So the world might actually tell you that your sin is OK in moderation. But that's also a setup from the enemy. And now you're in this cycle. And if you're one after God's own heart, then I know that you feel it. I know that you know that you're doing something wrong. I know that you are thirsty for the truth. And so that's what I'm here for. That's why I'm right rightly dividing the word of truth get that help that you need in the body of christ in the christian community come back to jesus humble and let go of that shame and that guilt okay you did it let's move forward in christ jesus god has forgiven you why have you not forgiven yourself it's time to recover let's pray Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this listener, Lord Jesus. I pray that as this person continues to recover, Lord Jesus, 
from sin, Lord Jesus, that you will be the guide that they need, the light in their lives, Lord Jesus. Um, continue to let them know that they are predestined for greatness, Lord Jesus, and that they are not disqualified from your purpose and your will just because they have sinned. Um, Lord Jesus, I'm praying for forgiveness for me, Lord Jesus, and I'm praying that this person will be humble enough to confess their sins and also ask for forgiveness. Place people in their lives that are going to help them recovery, recover. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's all I have for you all. If you guys are interested in learning more all Woe Believer content, then you could follow me on Instagram, Naila Mara, or you can tweet us at Woe Believer on Twitter. Feel free to visit our website, woebeliever.com. That's W-O-E, like woe in the Bible. And remember, everything I said today is not to condemn, but to offer salvation. Thank you all for watching or listening. Um, if you guys are listening, you can watch these episodes on YouTube, Woe Believer. Um, and if you're watching, feel free to listen on your devices or wherever you get your streams from um, anywhere at any time through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. The list goes on. Um, check out all of the stuff in the bio. Um, I love you and Jesus does too. Bye.